Anyway, John, we have our, our first uh, guest, our, well, not our first guest, first guest was uh, Declan on the phone, but our first live guest yeah. here in studio, uh, and that's a uh, resident of Scarif, newly resident in Scarif, Sarah Kate McConnell. Sarah, good morning and welcome. Good morning, thanks for having me. Now, if I turned up your microphone, okay. you'd probably be good. <laughs> Sorry, anyway, good morning and welcome. Good morning. Uh, Sarah, we actually first uh, spotted you uh, because we're always looking for interviews and we're always looking for guests to come into the studio. But we found you on the on page one of the Clare Echo, uh, maybe just before Christmas. Yes. And uh, I think you you might as well tell us yourself. But you had a, when you moved to the area here, you had a good impression of the place. Yes. Um, when I first came, I had my daughter with me, and we travelled from Dublin via public transport. So I was six hours here and I got off the bus in Scarif and I went in, into Centra and as I was going in with the buggy and the suitcase somebody came up to me and asked if I wanted a lift and could they help me with anything and I was like oh no I'm fine and as I walked out of Centra somebody else came up and offered me a lift and if I needed help and I was like what is this place where people help? Sarah, <laughs> <laughs> but that wouldn't happen in Dublin no? No. Suburban Dublin? Mm, not from my experience. Like, I know a lot of wonderful people in Dublin, but they're busy being busy, and they might offer help, but they can never follow through with it. Now, why, why did you actually uh, turn south-west and come to, uh, to Clare? So, so I originally came the first time to see the Steiner School because I was interested in different forms of education for my daughter. So yeah. I first came to view that but as soon as I came I just fell in love with East Clare. But you had a connection, blood connection with Clare hadn't you? I did so Denise Sparling was my dad's sister and Alan Sparling then uh, her husband. Yeah now we were talking about Alan and Denise before you know we went live isn't that that right Jim? Yeah. And Alan was a very good friend of both of us we acted with Alan we served on community councils together Great friends. He was a mar- and Denise, marvellous. Where were the gym? That's right. And and of course Denise um, was secretary of the uh, Clare Drama Festival for, for for a long, long time. Yeah. And I mean, Denise put the work in outside of it. Alan was on stage, <laughs> and you could see him. Whereas Denise had all the work done uh, in terms of all the paperwork and everything, so that when the the whole festival moved smoothly along. It was Denise who had uh, put in the hours over months and months. Yes, she was wonderful, but didn't like the spotlight. No, <laughs> yes, that's yes, right. indeed. Yeah. Yes. But yes. I mean, she was, uh, they, they, the Sparlings were a crucial part, weren't they? Absolutely. Of the social and economic life of, of East Clare area. Did you ever see Alan uh, act? Unfortunately, no, I didn't get to. I know my mum would have and dad would have come down to see their shows. And yeah. w- when they were travelling, they would have gone to different shows around, yes. Mm-hmm. My mum talks very highly of them. Oh, but the world of uh, amateur theatre in Ireland, not just in Clare, Sarah, would yeah. have thought equally highly of him. Oh, mm. yes, sure. Yeah. Still directing from his hospital bed. He, ne- he never stopped. He, <laughs> it was part of him. I wonder but if he's listening to us this I've morning. No, I've no uh, doubt that he is. Uh, yes. But he, um, I remember it was only a year before he died, he received Best Actor Award at the no, uh, at the, at the Ireland. Ireland. Yeah. Um, yes. And there's a photograph of him in this building, uh, you know, That's holding right. his award. That's right. 
Um, and, and he doesn't, you know, you'd know he was ill yeah. from those of us who would know him for years. But uh, yes. he really kept uh, going. I, I'm trying to remember the name of the play, but it was a difficult play. Uh, he was playing the part of someone who was um, maybe beca- having uh, Alzheimer's or the mm. early onset mm. of that. It was a very difficult play to do. Can't remember. And 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 he, you know, he was he had been suffering and he was ill at the time. Yes. But um, he was a great trooper. Yeah, he'd always give it his all. He would. Yes. Well, I I I remember um, one particular show we were doing, Scarf Drama Group, uh, the Hiker. Mm. And we um, we were on in the Bell Table. You know the Bell Table Theatre in Limerick? It's a small theatre. I've never been, but I've heard of it. Oh, a lovely, lovely spot. So we were on there for four nights. No, okay, it was very ambitious altogether. <laughs> and Alan was playing, if you, if you know The Hiker uh, by John B. Keane, Alan was playing the part of, of um, the, the father. And uh, there's a very poignant scene in it towards the end where there's a reconciliation, okay? And I was the, the son. Uh-huh. And uh, Alan's, Alan now would bring tears to, from a stone. There's no doubt when he wanted to turn it on. And I noticed that scene itself was very forward on the left w- wing of the stage. And this woman was in the front row. And I cottoned on that she was there for the four nights. She came every night. So on the last night, I had to ask her, I said, you know, I'm correct in saying you you actually have come for the four nights around. I have, she said. I wanted to see Alan Sparling again. Oh. <laughs> it wasn't that. Lovely. And what a credit and tribute it was to him. Yes. So, Alan, anyway, we didn't, you didn't come in here to talk about No. <laughs> About I'm sure Alan's I don't mind about talking about <laughs> Alan, that's fine. <laughs> you, you, when you came, it's not the first time you have been interviewed on Scarif Bay Community Radio because uh, you were saying Ursula interviewed you before in relation to a plan you had or an idea you had in relation to uh, a different type of school. Yes, so I was here in 2019. Um, at the time I was um, working on opening... Um, what was called at the time East Clare Sudbury School um, and I was having monthly meetings um, where I was hosting and informing people of what the school was going to be and people were coming and who had interest in a different type of education for their children and then come 2020 when the first lockdown happened um, I ended up having a board management and we made the constitution and things were flowing but then Life just happened and there just wasn't enough drive left in us and we we had to say goodbye to it. Well, at least for the moment, I still believe that it will happen at some stage and most likely be called East Clare Democratic School now instead of Sudbury School because it... And what is the, the... Is it is it a second level school <laughs> so or a primary? It's, it's both. Um, it's from age 5 to age 18. Um, there's... A few democratic schools in Ireland, Wicklow was the first one, and then there's one in Sligo, one in Cork, one in Leitrim, and I think there's a couple more working on opening in different parts of um, Ireland at the moment. Uh, how does it differ from, let's say, either the more conventional school that we're all used to, or, or even uh, Raheen, the Steiner system? So it's very different in that there's no curriculum. Um, 
children choose what they spend their time doing, how they want to learn um, and what they want to learn. So it's all about following your passions and through following your passions, you learn all the skills that you need to learn. So everyone will naturally learn the basic maths and how to read and write because to learn what they want to learn about different things, they will need those skills. Yes. So it's all about following your interests and learning more naturally through play and through passion and experience. And would it would it have a practical element? As in, it sounds to me like it would be based on practice as opposed to book learning. Um. Y- yes, a lot of um the children would choose like practical things, but um also they would study with books and um, so when I visited Wicklow Sudbury School in 2019 one of the 16 year olds was doing a degree online in politics and economics and like it because that was what she was really interested in she didn't want to wait so she was already doing her degree and there was one seven year old making fashion design clothes on the um, mannequin and then there was a uh, boy reading a book on the couch and there was everyone was doing completely different things well there were some groups like there was a group that was building um they were learning life um survival skills in, in the um garden with one of the teachers was doing a survival skills class so when the children want something then the um staff members can teach the different things that are required or find people in the community that can come in to teach those particular things yes yeah yeah i'm thinking um sarah it sounds like a part of what we would call the de-schooling of society yes okay, in so society. it's like unschooling within a community yeah, yeah. now i know quite a number of yeah. in the in the 1980s 70s that was even better still uh, quite a number emerged in britain challenging the, 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 the order that was there in, in relation to schools, okay? Yeah. The formal order that was there. And we saw witness quite an emergence. The open school, the free school, and the Sudbury. Mm. Now, um, they had a life, a, a kind of a reaction by, you know, uh, to certain stultifying effects, which perhaps... Uh, the the former school imposed on on children, but it didn't last. That movement isn't would not be fair comment. I the de-schooling the de-schooling era has does hasn't captured any any headlines in in recent years. I still feel like there's quite a lot of them around. Like there's one that's over a hundred years old in the UK, and yeah, um, there's quite a lot around America, Spain, mm. like all around Europe. But there's they're still going, but I don't think they get a lot of media because. So what attracted you to this to that particular philosophy of education? I just feel that people should spend their time doing things that they enjoy when you're sitting there learning something that you don't enjoy yes yeah. you might be able to retain the information for a short while but it's not going to last and it's not going to give you anything because you're just doing it to get by and get through the exam mm. whereas if you're learning something that you're passionate about 
you're really engrossed in it and you're really getting the benefits of that. I can imagine that it's 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 difficult, uh, you know, for the teachers in a school like that. Uh, it's it's probably easier if you have a curriculum from a. I'm just talking from a teacher's point of view. If you have a curriculum laid out in front of you, but I mean the teachers have to be on top of the, of of the students' needs and the the you know their wishes and their abilities and and each student then is has, is at a different place in terms of where they are on a particular thing and even their interests. Yeah, so it's all about giving the child their own um, freedom within their schedule and what they want to learn. So the staff members would do wellness check-ins and um, education check-ins with the children, see what they're doing, what they want to do, do they have all their needs met with their interests that they're wanting to learn about, or do they need other resources or help with anything, do they want to create a class and something or yeah. whatever it is so that there would be regular check-ins with each child to make sure that they are getting the, the most out of their education and getting fulfilled in that way okay yeah it's very interesting i just i suppose it, it may come up again when people re-energize themselves and and get going again and know that you're here in this community on a full-time basis yes so um yeah, I still believe that uh, the school will happen. I just need more drive from people to make it happen. So if there's people out there, because I know I've heard from people in the last month, but if people really want to make this school happen, then they can come and contact me on Facebook or via email, eastclaresudbury at gmail.com. Okay. And um, I will always work on opening the school if there's a drive to make it happen, I still feel could, it will. I could ask you, uh, what was the Dam road to Damascus for you, you know, uh, where you suddenly reali realised that the current education system didn't satisfy you and satisfy your needs? At what stage were you at when you reached that? <clears throat> so when my daughter was one, I was um, doing a postgrad in play therapy and as part of that, I needed to be working with children at the time and I have my degree in social care. So I ended up working as a special needs assistant in the local school and I was in the junior infants room and the children were not able to move from their desks much at all. And at break time, um, I was in the class and I said, oh, can they get like a jigsaw or a book or something? Yeah, yeah. And they had put... Paw Patrol up on the screen and they said no they can't move from their desks unless they need to go to the toilet because it's a health and safety issue because it was drizzling outside and they weren't allowed to move and I just thought what's going on and then the children just like you could you could tell how excited they got when they were doing a subject that they loved but then when they were doing something that they weren't interested in like they'd get fidgety and stuff but then they'd be getting in trouble but it's because they have no interest in learning that particular thing and I just feel that. Would that be your experience Jim? It would, I remember when I was, I, I taught primary school as well in Mount Shannon yeah. and I mean there was a, a thing coming in that children weren't, shouldn't run in the playground mm -hmm. and they shouldn't go out in the play. I mean the, the normal common practice when children would come in in the morning to our school, they'd fire the bag under the table, they'd get a ball and out the yard <laughs> and I thought that was wonderful and they, were, they came in then, you know after having exercise and and they were in great form, um, I would hate to take that from a child, you know. And I, I didn't when I was teaching when I was there. So that raises the question. 
uh, raise the question, Sarah, is, is it the individual <coughs> teacher uh, that restricts or is it the, the formal curriculum that restricts? So um, on movement restriction now, I have to say, like, my daughter's been to different School, schools yeah. now and she's very happy in Scarf National School and I know they do movement breaks and different things as well, which is wonderful. Um, but I just feel that the curriculum, like maybe in primary school to get a little bit of everything and it's done quite well, but then when you get to secondary school, like you can't learn what you wish to learn. Or if you, I remember I wanted to do music and I wanted to do chemistry, but I couldn't because they were both in the same time slot. Yes. Like so, Frequent problem. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. like often children can't learn what they want to learn just because it's in the same time and like simple things like that just don't make sense like when that's years that you're learning something like you should be learning what you're passionate about and that will help you with furthering your career and going into life okay so So we've run out of time (laughs) no no not at all it's been lovely having you in um and hopefully that your initial uh, impression of East Clare will only be enhanced and hasn't yes. changed since you since you started to live here. Yes, and sorry, just before oh, yes. we go, can I just mention um, the St. Patrick's Day Committee um, met for the first time this week and we are full guns blazing for this year, <laughs> especially with the extra bank holiday on yes. the Friday, so not only are we planning some day activities, but there will hopefully be a big evening event as well this year. So um, for those of you that normally get involved, please start thinking about floats and different things because we want to make this year really special after not having it being held the last two years. Oh, yeah. Very good. Won't it be very, absolutely very brilliant yeah. if we can get out on yeah. St. Patrick's Day and yes. and celebrate the National Day as it should be celebrated. Oh, it's so needed now. It is. It yes. is really.